Today's episode of Azure Lunch is sponsored by the Microsoft New Zealand Partner Hub. If you are building software or providing services related to Microsoft products, then you should check out the Partner Hub for training, advice, and a heap of resources including the Partner Practice Playbooks, and you can find them at aka.ms slash nzpartnerhub. Kia ora koutou, I'm Daniel Larson, Senior Technical Evangelist at Microsoft and I'm joined once again by Matt Simpson, Senior Technical Evangelist at Microsoft. We work for Microsoft but these opinions are our own. Morena Matt. Kia ora, good morning. How are you? Not too bad man, not too bad. It's what been a, a week. Yeah, crazy week. Absolutely. Yeah, last seven days have been kind of off, <laughs> off the scale. Uh, we've had... Uh, we had the Connected uh, Users, uh, Connect Systems User Group. Yes. Uh, we had the Azure Lunch Meetup. Uh, we've had uh, the Tin Report uh, Evening That's and right. Future Now all in the last seven days. So it's Future kind of now. Been crazy. We're, we're just you know just coming down from Future Now. That was uh, Future Wow. It was <laughs> yeah. a great event. Awesome. Really good. So yes. I really enjoyed that. Loved your talk, Matt. Thanks. Thanks. I enjoyed it. It was um, it was definitely different. Um, yeah, but it was it was it was really good. I really enjoyed it. And a great venue as well, a really good showcase oh, yeah. for the partners there as well. Um, yeah. yeah, it was great. Awesome. But this is this is going to be a little bit of a take on the, the Insider podcast or, you know, That's right. um, we're going to go a little bit deeper in your talk. So you, you obviously mm. covered some of the stuff around Azure Policy, Azure Blueprints, uh, the meetup. Yes. And we just kind of wanted to, you know, obviously there's, there's only so much time and, you know, you had to kind of leave a few things, leave a few things out. So we just want to kind of, um, and there were some good discussions had afterwards and we just kind of wanted to, Pick, pick, pick at those a little bit and just see where we're at. Great, so, um, great. So yeah, um, do you want to just for the people that didn't weren't there or haven't had a chance to to uh, see the meetup recording? Do you want to just give us a just a headline view of what you what you talked about and where you're at? Yeah, I'd love to. I mean, the the talk that I did at the Azure Lunch Time meetup and this was this is an, our Auckland meetup uh, that we do in our Auckland office uh, was about governance, really and yep. about how we can do that in Azure um, by applying policies and um, role-based access controls, really, and just good old common sense, you know, in terms of managing subscriptions and things like that. And, yeah, you can go back in this podcast to a previous episode and, and, and hear the whole talk if you want to. And also cool. there's an excellent deep dive uh, on the Microsoft Ignite uh, video channel yeah, because you covered some stuff that was new, yeah. and also, I mean, you know, policy. There's been some policy stuff around for a while, but you yeah. covered some of the new stuff as well, right? Yeah, we had some big announcements at Ignite, mm -hmm. and one of those was being able to re remediate policies. So, you know, what do you do if you've, you know, you've got these subscriptions that have been around for for ages, and you've got all these resources that you want to go and remediate, and by remediation we mean go and you know fix up some of those things that are missing, you know, so missing tags, missing encryption settings, you know, security settings, things like that. Cool, awesome. So yeah, worth look. I learned I learned heaps. I haven't really focused on that, and I guess that's kind of leads into you know something that I was intrigued about. You know, running the meetup, trying to get speakers. Uh, you know, it's always interesting. And then you know, I I said you know obviously I asked you to 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 do a talk. Yes. And we we kind of uh, threw around a couple of ideas. You're going to do some kind of experimental stuff, and then you know scaling. Oh, we still got to get you back to do the scaling the monolith talk. Yeah. Uh, which I really wanted to do, but then you kind of said, well, actually, I want to do. I want to do blueprint and policy, and that kind of—I was taken a little bit aback by that. I mean, you're a software developer, right? You, That's you're right. A, you're a software dev. You do heaps of ops. You know, you you do you know you DevOps. You do the, all the agile talks. You've you've shown me so much around that, and I've learned so much from you. But 
you're, you're still super passionate about blueprint and policy and those kind of things. And and that really struck me. That's one thing I did take away from the talk was, you know, your passion around this this subject. So just, you know, give me a bit more details on that. I mean, wh- why, why is this a, a big passion of yours as well, not just, you know, getting into the code? Yeah, well, that's funny because, you know, I made a bit of a cheesy joke at the meetup about, you know, no one was going to show up because this, this talk was about security and compliance. <laughs> um, but loads of people did. Yeah, I mean, it was we had packed, a great man. It was great. It, it was, was really good. good. And look... The reason, I mean, let me rewind a bit, you know, a couple of years, a couple of three years, I guess, and, you know, sitting and, you know, in my prior role, I used to coach software development teams, you know, in, in an agile setting. And yeah. the most frustrating thing for me was sitting with teams that were being bogged down by policy, by compliance and by governance. And what, what that looks like when you're inside a team what it can look like is you want to get things done, right? That's mm. that's your job. That's what you're trained to do when you work on a team. And <clears throat> excuse me, someone tells you that you can't, or someone has to go and check a policy, or someone has to go and check compliance, and that really slows teams down. And if you've read uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People or Seven Habits of Highly Effective Teams, one of the key things about a team is there are things inside a team you can control, which is quality. Uh, you know, which is your approach to documentation, which is your approach to building in security or building in privacy. But what you can't control are the things that are outside of the team. And that yep. really frustrates teams. And and what I found was a lot of those things boiled down to compliance, um, security and yep. governance. Now, flip that, then I was also on the senior leadership team at the time. And that's all important, right? Governance is important. Compliance is important. Yep. Security is important to a business. You know, this is these are real business drivers. So, so how do you balance those two? Fast forward a couple of years. You know, how do we do this in, at Microsoft? When I before I worked at Microsoft, I was always fascinated about how Microsoft solved these sorts of problems because you look at blueprints, and we'll talk about this in a minute. What are we going from zero to blueprints, which is a huge product suite in yeah. less than a year? I mean. Mm. That's remarkable for any software team, and, and I've got a few insights to share about that. But how do you do that without, if you have to wait for you know two weeks for a VM to <laughs> be provisioned, or you know to go through a compliance check? You know, there's no way that can happen. So yeah, I mean, what I'm seeing from the teams that have worked on Azure governance, on on policy, on on blueprint, is really, and we talked about it in the talk, is they want to shift policy left. You know, so we yeah. talk about shifting other problems left in, in yep. the development lifecycle, and that's things like you know quality. Obviously, is the obvious one. Um, infrastructure is code, and now we're really starting to see. Well, how can we shift? You know, some of those things that we're really something we think about as an afterthought. Yeah. You know, is locking environments down or looking at controls. How can we actually shift those into the team or as close to it as possible? Sounds like an impossible dream. Mm. You know, I mean, it really does. But we're seeing it with with these with these products like like Blueprint. Uh, it really allows us actually to, I mean, in software development terms, take a pull request on policy. Yeah, which is huge. Which is right? amazing. Yeah, and I think for me, I think that sometimes I think there's this illusion of speed when yes. that when um, you know the dev team maybe are, are separate and they're you know they're going fast and they're doing stuff, but actually what is they're going to get stuck in the mud when it comes to you know they might be able to get it into testing QA, but when it actually comes to prod and somebody's going to come come through and and check it and it doesn't have these things. You know, the, you know, the wheels kind of fall off a little bit, right? That's I mean, right. We've kind of seen that before. So that, this that's really the illusion of productivity, isn't it? Totally right. Yeah. And the, and then moving, like you say, and moving some of those features back into the development cycles as well, and then the bug that you can identify. And if you treat it like a feature, and if it does have a bug or anything like that, if you bring it back into that development-like cycle there, the money you'll save fixing it, you know, in the first sprint 
is you know exponentially different to the cost it's going to have when it's you've done all the dev time and it's you know it's in production and then you've got to go and unpick everything and find out what broke when you turned on um, you know you lock something down or protected it you know it's it's way harder to kind of um, you know mix yourself through that mud where it, where it's yeah it's super murky when you know when the right. dev teams are kind of separate right. Yeah, I mean, we've Microsoft's conducted research on this for years. I mean, Gartner was saying, I don't know, two or three years ago, that was a 10x yeah. wow. difference between dev test and prod. Some yeah. some studies now put that around 30. Mm-hmm. I mean, or even higher. So you know, and that's real money. And I think, you know, observing how Microsoft do this internally is is the more you can shift those problems left, um, the more efficient, the less time you're spending, and obviously, um, you know, the, the the more money you're saving. Yeah, and making, which is. So talking about, you know, Microsoft and how we do it, I mean, there's a product team that's that's on Blueprints, right? I yes. Mean, there's, there's, a, there's a team working on it. Uh, they do policy, and, and you said, you know, there's been a massive uh, push towards that. And you've been involved in that from the early stages uh, before it was kind of, you know, the product is today. And that was in your previous role because uh, your previous role at Microsoft as a, as a premier field engineer, and you yes. were out there with customers, Essentially, you know, they were on their journey towards the cloud, and this was their first kind of, um, you know, building up their enterprise uh, data center or whatever, you know, yeah. in Azure. So yes. that was your previous role. So just give us the inside scoop on that and how you got involved in it. Yeah, sure. I mean, let me caveat this by saying I, I can't speak for that team. All I can talk sure, about sure. is the interactions yeah. that I've had with them, which which have been minimal, but um, for me, very valuable. But anyway, you're right. Uh, prior to this role, I worked as a a premier field engineer, think of that as a, a support engineer in Azure. Yep. And so our job is to go around, usually enterprise and government, so mm-hmm. you know, really big stuff, operating at scale. How do we do this at scale? Which is really interesting, and, and I work with you on the ISV team now, where we do have some very large customers, but we have some very small ones as well, mm. uh, and I really like that. Um, but yeah, how do you do that at scale? And before before blueprints, before scaffold, before virtual data center, you know, those, those great um, patterns and practices, a lot of this we had to hand roll. Yeah. And, and, we, and, and certainly speaking in terms of our team, we tried to do it in a way that we were using as many, as the, many of the built-in APIs of, as, of Azure as we could because we knew we could see that this was coming. You yeah. know, we could see that, that there's going to be a team uh, on the Azure product team who are going to come and write this stuff for us. So Wrap a framework or yeah, you know, totally. some sort of process around it, right? Absolutely. Productize it, yeah, essentially. Yep. Yeah. So we, we stuck to PowerShell. We stuck mm-hmm. to ARM. And we wrote policies and you know, scripts uh, knowing that someone was going to come and replace a lot of this work. Yep. The beautiful thing about Blueprint, and this is speaking to how that team engaged with the field, is they came and had a look at our repos, you know, like uh, you know, we showed I showed them the repo that we were doing. We had a standard, you know, whole set of policies and, and, and scaffold and things like that. And what they've done is I can actually import a lot of those assets into Blueprint. Wow, which is okay. cool. So there's a lot of reuse. So yeah, the, awesome. I did a quick demo of this in the talk, and that's um, ARM template that had a uh, it was a key vault and. Yep. And Azure Automation, that was the ARM template out of my scaffold repo wow. that I just imported. Okay. Um, and, you know, I was buzzing out because the tooltips lit up in the port. Yeah, crazy, right? But it's the little things, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, if I can hover over that little tiny little eye sign and see the tooltip that I wrote for the input parameter for mm-hmm. my ARM template, I mean, that's huge. So yeah. in that, there's heaps of reuse, you know, the, you know, the customers that have already you know, invested in ARM and, yes. and, and got that, they can actually then, the, the, the journey to blueprints is, 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 is mapped out for them, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we can take all those policies, the custom and the built-in, and really, if you don't have, before prior to blueprint, what we would have is a PowerShell script that would just go and programmatically 
um, you know, set all those policies. Yep. So now you just you know you just delete that script, and you're really just taking the the definition of what that script's doing, I guess, the declarative nature of it, mm-hmm. and um, and putting that into uh, into a blueprint. And now that blueprint is being managed inside your tenant, and now you can actually um, you can in a very clear and simple way go and apply those to different subscriptions. So contrast that with what I used to call the big bang script. Yeah. Think of, you know, a couple of hundred lines PowerShell script which would go and, you know, would deploy, you know, seven subscriptions in, in, in twenty minutes or whatever. You know, we just don't need that anymore. All yeah. of that is replaced by this blueprints um, by this blueprints. Yeah, and set that, of that was the big item number for me around the ability to to specify those variables that were, you know, maybe fixed for the subscription, you know, you could set the environment tag and it needed to be this and it was that was going to be the, you know, the, the tag, but the actual value could be different for each of the, yeah. s- the subscriptions and resource management groups kind of opened up the whole thing, right? So you That's could right. actually um, have those, you know, those super, I guess those super templates that, that could run across then, you know, and those and cross-cutting models. So. Yeah, it was great. I loved it. It was yeah. really good. Yeah, was I mean, as a developer, you love to see that, right? Mm. You, you want to see an inheritance model. You want to see that you can over, override Parameters. You want to see that you've got a choice between dynamic and static um, parameters, and and you know the, I, I was talking to um, to a guy from the a couple of guys from the Azure Infrastructure Meetup, which is another great meetup yep. that we run here in yeah. the office. Yep. Uh, you know, though I think every once a month on a Wednesday night, and um, it, you know this talk we could have run this at the Azure Infrastructure totally. Meetup. Totally. And what does that say about you know the convergence eh, of these things you know yeah, in terms for sure. of I mean not not that Azure lunchtime is is specifically a developer meetup but but I think we are really converging in terms of these topics which is great from my yeah. perspective. It's nice to have a foot in both camps I guess. Absolutely. But for me that was that was interesting as well because my take on your talk was like it definitely did focus around I mean focus around IaaS you know it was it was kind of funny you you know you you Set, set the scene with, you know, let's, let's provision a VM in Azure and, you know, what could I have done better was the kind of thing. And somebody said, oh, you should be using Azure SQL was, the, was, was somebody heckling, heckling <laughs> from is, the cloud, right? Which was um, a great heckle. Uh, but I guess, you, you know, the, the purpose of the talk was to demonstrate the product. And I guess there's more... There's just more dials, right? There's more, yeah. there's more, there's more bits to a VM than there is to an Azure SQL. When you provision Azure SQL, there's a server and the database. That's it. Yep. When you provision a SQL, um, a SQL VM, there's a disk, there's a potentially a network. There's a networking interface. There's, there's the VM itself. There's a network security group. There's a VNet. You know, there's all these additional things, right? So I guess no. you were trying to leverage that. But what does this mean for PaaS? So yeah. you know, what does it look like for an app service or an Azure SQL server in terms of in terms of policy and things like that? Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, great point. You know, in terms of the VM, it's easy to pick on VMs. Totally. You know, <laughs> as you say, uh, there's so many, so many buttons to to, mm. to turn. But with PaaS, we've got to remember a lot of that compliance and governance and security features are already built in, and yep. we're already managing a lot of that for you. So there's kind of less to talk about, but there's more to talk about in terms of cost control. Mm. So PaaS is an easy one because, for, from a cost control point of view, because we've got SKUs, we've got tiers, we've got you know. So let's talk about um, apps. Oh, let's talk about SQL because SQL is a really good one. Azure SQL DB. We've got a, a you know a basic and then a standard and then a premium um, SKU tier. Yep. And we can very easily put in a policy in the dev test environments that says um, you can't use or deny the the deployment of premium SKUs. Cool. Which, ironically, where I've seen the cost control issues is in, the, in dev test environments and not in prod. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I this is talked about. Yep. Yeah, and totally. And, and, and you know, the in the deep dive talk, um, this is echoed as well. 
Whereas in production, because we, we pretty much know what we're shipping and, and we know what those are, it's more than about is encryption turned on. Mm-hmm. Have you got transparent data encryption turned on? You know, yeah. th- those good things. And there's less of that to worry about with Azure, Azure mm-hmm. SQL DB. But still plenty we can do in terms of that. And I guess even just firewalling and security, right, we could still enforce firewall on Azure SQL Absolutely. database, right? So maybe somebody's, like you say, and, and dev, you know, the, sometimes uh, there are, there's a little bit more rope to hang yourself with in dev environments and things like that where you can provision them. But I guess we'd want to yes. ensure that, you know, people aren't just opening up the SQL service to the world and we can kind of enforce some policy there as well, which is, which is still good practice, right? And, and yeah. it teaches a, a good lesson. Good point. So just I want to shout out again to Nick and Dan on the infrastructure meetup because we had a great chat about this afterwards mm. and others as well. And if you look at the ARM... Uh, resource manager, the explorer. You yep. can explore it inside the portal. And, and I also demonstrated that using the um, resource graph, which is amazing. Yep. Super cool. Yeah. At any property in that ARM template or ARM uh, resource explorer view that you might know um, can be aliased and can be and can be accessed almost. Almost. <laughs> yeah. So Dan is one of those people who would put a, um, a pull request or an issue into the Azure policy GitHub yep. repo because he's hit the wall on a, on a policy uh, sorry on a property that he needs to access wow. to actually apply a policy so he's really going down to the extreme end of what can I do programmatically yeah um, with policies so for example probably the most complex example I've hit is if I deploy an an Azure VM and sorry to go back to no, 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 this no, is a good example yeah so a SQL VM yep I want to make sure that 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 VM is connected to the data subnet Yes. And not the... Um, Application subnet or whatever. Yeah, exactly, yeah. which has got a public IP on it. Yep. So so that's a really good example. And I can do that. You can do that by accessing properties and by working in, you know, just in good old custom um, policies. But there will be some things that you can't do. And when you can't do, you need to put in a request for those properties to be to be uh, materialised into um, to the Explorer. And the good news is is uh, that this was announced at Ignite as well, is that we're going to get to around about you know 90 plus percent completion okay. of all those properties. So you will be able to do exactly what you just said there, and that's you know manipulate those those network firewalls and things like that, hopefully. And if you can't, then you should give us feedback so we can actually go in and put in features like that. Yeah, awesome. I mean, the team's always listening, right, in the doc site and all those, you know, we're always open to submit a PR and yeah. and, and make the product better and we're always open to feedback from, from anyone, right? Absolutely. And then the, the next step, and this is another thing we talked about after the talk as well, is when you do hit that wall, don't forget you've still got PowerShell. Yep. And you've still got Pester. Yep. So if you don't know Pester, Pester is a unit testing framework for PowerShell which I use a lot for not unit testing, for, um, say, integration testing or system integration testing. And also, let's test our, let's validate our ARM templates or let's validate that there's something specific is actually present in that ARM template. And we can do that as a, a polyfill until, until those features show right. up. And that's okay. really powerful. So I could go and, you know, provision the ARM template and then go and parse it with, Pester to expect it to maybe get a result from, you yep. know, try and ping the SQL server, and and if I don't get a result, then I know the ports are closed and that kind of thing, and I, or I could, you know, parse the resource group and make sure that the number of resources that I said were going to be deployed have been deployed. That's right. Or yeah. you could do that inside PowerShell before yep. you even do your um your pre-flight, um, okay. which is which is really good. And the JSON support in PowerShell is so good. Yes, yeah, super good. Like it's unreal. So you know, it's very easy to walk those those JSON graphs or models and just um, validate them right totally yep yeah 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 so so do that in the meantime be prepared to let some of that 
those scripts go when, when the team come and replace it. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of you the other day, actually. You know that moment when you're just about to go walk on stage and present something in a demo, and then you realize that, that, um, that the Azure team or someone on the product team have just gone and re- written everything that you've done? <laughs> I had that with web jobs one year. Um, and it was, a, it was an Ignite talk, and they, I was just about to go and demonstrate this. Um, it was like a polling checker for the um, for the queue for Azure queue storage that would you know so I could queue up my web jobs and I'd written the back off logic you know like the everything it was beautiful and then I can't remember who it was it was like Scott or someone like that from Microsoft had come over to New Zealand to do a talk and they're like right and today we're announcing this attribute that did everything that I'd written and was about to walk on and demonstrate the next uh, day far so I just went into my Git repo and just blew away a whole lot of code yep. it's bittersweet but that's going to happen more yeah, yeah, and more, right? Yeah, we're going to live in a hybrid world. I think Hanselman says it best that you know the second page of his resume is is just a slider bar or a tick box in the cloud now, right? <laughs> so I think you know it's kind of, we're getting to this stage. You kind of got to let some of that some of that stuff go. But like you say, yeah, it's kind of it's amazing to the innovation that we're seeing. But yeah, it's yeah, don't be afraid to 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 live in that world just um, to make it to make it better for now, right? Yeah, yeah, and celebrate it. Cool. Awesome. Thanks, Dan. I really, really enjoyed Thanks. listening to, to this and getting a bit of an inside track on, on how you on your journey and, and, and speaking with the product group and, you know, your kind of vision from this product from its infancy to, you know, being actually made into something real. So that's super cool. Thanks, Matt. Awesome. Today's episode of Azure Lunch was sponsored by the Microsoft New Zealand Partner Hub. If you're building software or providing services related to Microsoft products, then you should check out the Partner Hub for training, advice, and a heap of resources, including the Partner Practice Playbooks. And you can find them online at aka.ms slash nzpartnerhub.